Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I do want to welcome you to week four of our series we've entitled DNA. And for those of you just jumping in and joining us, I'll explain just a little bit about that series in just a moment. And it's such an important time in the life of our church, and we're so glad that you've joined us, even if you're watching online as well. It is small group connect weekend and small groups are a big part of what we do here at Milestone Church because we see it as a biblical way to live kingdom life. It's the way you take a large church and make it small and we can live together and do life together and grow together. In your seat back there, there's a a response card that I'm going to ask all of you, if you would, to just hold up, wave it at me so I know you have one. If you need to reach ahead, there you go. It always makes me nervous if I'm talking about something that you don't have, but you have this card right here. We're asking all of you to fill this out because even if you're in a group, we want to know that, and so we'll collect that at the end of the service today, and this will be your connect point with us on where you are in your journey regarding small groups. And so it's such a a powerful time. By the way, I heard a testimony of a group. We have all kinds of groups. We have connect groups and we have groups that serve together and we have different types of groups. We'll show you there at the end and talk about it a little bit more. Uh, But there was a group of guys who started serving single moms last weekend we had our Discovery 101 class and it was very powerful there at the end of the line as I was shaking hands there was a single mom who had heard about Milestone and she had a seventh grade son and she wanted to bring him to get him connected into our next gen ministry and uh, she had been hearing about it praying about it woke up uh, one day last week and she saw there was tree trimming going on at her neighbor's house she thought I have some trees that need to be trimmed and so she went over thinking it was a professional uh, landscaping group and asked for a business card and they said we don't have a business card we're a group of men who serve by mowing grass and trimming trees and helping single moms and that's very she was like man I'm overwhelmed by this whole thing and and that's really uh, as we think about it a small group is the opportunity we have to live out our faith together in our everyday lives, beyond just gathering together uh, in a service, though that's powerful for us to grow together, we can live it out. And so uh, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, Small Group Connect weekend, I hope that you'll take that next step. It's going to be a powerful step. I'm going to ask you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16, Matthew 16. 13, and we're going to look at a very anchor passage, an important passage, a passage if you've heard it before, you need to hear it again, a passage you need to commit its concept to your memory because it is so foundational to what Jesus is up to in our generation. And so we're going to look at that together. We're in this series DNA, again, some of you have just jumped in, we're in our fourth week, and I got to tell you kind of behind the scenes in my prayer time This time of year, I would typically do a little bit more of an outreach type scenario and series, even though we're seeing so many people get saved and and double weekends of baptism. So Jesus is still working, even when we're talking about uh, DNA. But I just felt strongly that we need to do this series. And a lot of you are new. And so you're like, DNA, what is that about? Well, 
It's really an opportunity for you to get an inside window into what motivates us. It's a, it's a series really on culture and, and, and the spirit and the atmosphere uh, that, that really has guided us as a family because we're not looking just to be a crowd of people, we're looking to walk together. So you, you have a culture, the, the concept, a biological term, DNA, uh, is a biological term of your genetic code, but it's also a metaphor that is brought into the culture of teams and the culture of your home and the culture of your relationships, the culture of your life, and yes, even the culture of a church that gathers. And so we've held on to some of these principles for years and I'm sharing them with you in new detail and uh, trying to continue to reinforce those things, you know. Uh, you have a culture at your house, by the way. I, I have an interesting dynamic at my house. I have four children and I was chatting with my two daughters, my oldest daughter who just started her senior year in high school, and then my youngest daughter who just started first grade. Actually, I was having more of a direct conversation with my senior. And so we were sitting there at the island talking and the first grader was listening in and we were talking about culture. We were talking about life. We were talking about being a senior and talking about all the exposure that a senior has today to so much information. We had like the five o'clock news, the seven o'clock news. They have all kinds of different information. And so we were just talking about life and the way we, people respond. And, and I was just talking about, you know, how as, as followers of Christ, we should be benevolent, we shouldn't be critical, we shouldn't be harsh. And, and, and so we were talking about all kinds of things, social constructs and all kinds of things. And we were having a deep philosophical worldview discussion, me and my senior. And, and so we're talking about it. And she said, Dad, what about these people? And, and, and I know I'm, I'm apologizing. I'm a human being, even though I'm a pastor. And so she said, Dad, what do you think about this response? And I said, man, honestly, I just think they're responding like idiots. Yeah, I said it. I did. You ever seen someone's response and you're just like, come on, really? Do we have to put that out in the public and be that rude and obnoxious? I didn't say they were idiots. I said they were acting like idiots. Maybe I'm justifying my sin. But anyway, I, I said they're acting like idiots. And, and so I turned to my first grader. I said, Lainey, what do you think about all this worldview and culture and politics and all those discussions? She said, Dad, I don't know about any of that, but I know this. Mom would not be happy with you calling people idiots. I'm talking about culture. Mom is setting the tone. Dad's trying to keep himself in line, if y'all know what I'm saying, okay? But even the way you speak and the way you relate affects DNA and culture and atmosphere. And so we're going to talk about this week, I believe, a DNA, DNA number four, that at the outset, you might think that doesn't really pertain to me. You're talking about something that is organizational. You're going to think of all your experiences with it. You're going to think about your perspectives and your perception. And you might not understand, I'm hoping to take you a little deeper into it, that it can affect your everyday life. And DNA number four, and again, even as I say it, you're going to think, are you self-aware? You're so tied to it, it's what you do with your life, you could easily dismiss the power of it, and that is DNA number four, the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Now let me, let me answer just a few 
pushbacks that you might immediately, you're like, wait a minute, the local church is the hope of the world. Jeff, are you saying because you're the pastor of a local church that Milestone Church is the hope of the world? No, 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 I'm not saying that. In fact, you need to know this behind the scenes. We help so many churches. If a church is preaching Jesus and a church is looking to reach its community, we've helped so many that you may not be aware of that are, being, that are more successful because of your generosity and our team helping them. And, and any church, even in our community, uh, that's reaching people for Christ, we're on their team. We're all part of the Big C Church, but you must be also a part of a local church. And so we're not saying Milestone Church is the only church, and we're not saying it's the hope of the world. We're saying Jesus's church is the hope of the world. Now, some of you even hear that and say, well, wait a minute, it's not about church at all. Isn't Jesus the hope of the world? Like, I thought Jesus was the hope of the world, and if you thought that, you're exactly right. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. The reason we have many baptisms here, the reason that we continue to preach Jesus, the reason we sing about Jesus and worship Jesus is because Jesus is the answer for every human heart. Jesus is the answer for all eternity in the lives of people. There's only one challenge if you're at any level a practical thinker. Jesus is not physically walking around the earth today in human form. Jesus ascended into heaven and he left his Holy Spirit for a small group of followers and he has a plan to distribute his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his salvation in the earth through the local church. But honestly, many of you may not even be questioning the fact that I say the local church is the hope of the world just on the basis of those things. You may be, what I find as a pastor, most of the time, our criticism, our hurt, our pushback, our, our aversion to things that are very biblical have much more to do with our personal pain. Our personal pain. By the way, I'm not saying that the local church is the hope of the world just by the fact that we moved into our new building and we feel a little better about ourselves. I've been preaching that in hotel room, ballrooms. I mean, let me tell you, the church, it comes in many forms and many sizes and many shapes. All across the globe today, there are churches gathered in different settings, underground churches in China. I've preached in a furniture store. I've preached in a traditional church where here's the church and here's the steeple and the first church I pastored, you open the doors and there were no people. <laughs> I've preached Jesus in every setting and circumstance. Many of you that are new here, we started in a cafetorium in South Keller and the very message that I'm preaching with passion today, I preached in that cafetorium with a three-piece suit. It was always hot. There were Coke machines lining the cafetorium. I would try to preach Jesus. People would get up, get a Coke, I mean, and crack it open. You're like, brother, we're trying to feel cool right now. Had all kind of things happen. Dogs run in. I mean, I had more discouraging days, but we kept, in fact, I preached 17 weeks on the passage I'm preaching to you today on who is this man, Jesus Christ, and that the local church is the hope of the world. And if you're saying, I've been hurt, I have too. I have too. The first church that I pastored, the very first event that we had, very first event, was a Thanksgiving meal for the community, and I called the African-American pastor across town and said, in the history of the church gathering in this 
central Texas town. We've never gathered as different groups from different ethnicities. And I said, you're coming. He said, I'm not coming. I said, well, if you're not coming, I'm not coming. And when I invited him in, then the religious people created an uproar. Then we started reaching people in our area. There was a lot of alcoholism in our area. Restore environment that we have today is not just about addiction. It's people coming out of brokenness. And we have to meet people where they are. And so we opened up our fellowship hall and started a little outreach to people struggling with addiction. And can you believe somebody smoked in there? A cigarette. I got called in, the leadership team, everybody's like, what are they doing? They're smoking in our church. I said, well, smoking won't send you to hell, but it will make you smell like you've been there. <laughs> but, but the problem was the church didn't know how to be the church because the church had lost sight of Jesus. And I ultimately, because of all of the challenges, there were so many people getting saved, but there was so much disunity is why I have a passion for unity so much disunity, I eventually realized I could not even preach Jesus in that toxic culture, and I resigned on a Sunday morning, and they gave me a standing ovation. That'll do a great big deal for your self-esteem, if you know what I'm saying. Why am I telling you that? I, really, God really helped me. He really did. He, you know, you ever look back on things that God really helped me? Did you know forgiveness and grace and being able to move through life in a healthy way? Sometimes people look at me and say, Pastor, you tell those stories, are you still? No, 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 no. no. I, it, God helped me. Helped me move past it. He really did. But I can't tell you I didn't have moments where I thought, is the local church the hope of the world or is it hopeless? Is it hopeless? Can we do better than this? Can we? I had all of those feelings. I had those feelings before I was a pastor. I would come to my mom. I was studying in college and I was thinking, man, I just, I don't know about this. Can it work? I just don't know if we can get it done. And I would study counseling and I would come home and my mom's an intercessor. And I say, I don't think I'm going to be a pastor. I think I'm just going to be a counselor. She said, I rebuke that devil in the name of Jesus. <laughs> she always knew what I was called to do. Come on, your mama knows what you're called to do. And so I'm not telling you I haven't experienced the gamut of things, but at some level, by the way, if you've been hurt, guess what? You're going to get hurt at the PTA. You're going to get hurt at the ball team. You're going to get hurt at work. You're going to get hurt at the family reunion. Somebody say amen. If you hang around people, you're going to have offenses and you're going to have hurt. But what I would say too, the church has the greatest opportunity to overcome hurt because it's built on the foundation of a gracious Jesus who forgives all of us, who forgives all of us when we're wrong. And so it has the ability, the church does have the ability because it's built on the foundation of forgiveness and trust. But at the end of the day, I could sit here all day and tell you funny stories and tell you hurtful stories and tell you challenging stories and talk all about it and you can share yours with me but at the end of the day what do we base our lives on we base it on this word right here we base it on the truth of what this word says in Matthew 16 13 again you should know this you should have this as an anchor focus right here in the gospels because it tells us so much about ourselves and it tells us so much about Jesus it says Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and Caesarea Philippi you may not understand that in the northern part of Israel it was a dark dark place dark place there was 
sacrifices of people, there was just, just total opposite of God-like behavior in this area. Jesus always went to the dark areas. Jesus was not intimidated by darkness because light shines the brightest in the darkness. He just led his disciples right into that challenging scenario, and he said this to them. We're not worried about what everybody's saying on Twitter. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? He asked that so that he, they would know. Here's a lot of what people are saying. But he says this. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But here's his focus. Not what everybody's saying on Twitter. What about you? What do you say about me? And he asked, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter stepped up and said, you are the Messiah you are the answer. You are the son of the living God. You are what everyone is looking for. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. What I'm speaking about this weekend, let me tell you, it is not revealed just by examining metrics and facts regarding Jesus in the church. It comes by revelation. It comes by revelation. Well, he says, it was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he said, I tell you that you are Peter. By the way, when you understand who Jesus is, then you start understanding who you are. Most people don't know who they are because they don't know who Jesus is. Once you understand Jesus and who he is by revelation, he then speaks to you about who you are. Then I'd like you to look here at what Jesus is doing right now. What Jesus is focused on, he said this, and on this rock, I will build my church. It's the only place that I know. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm open, but I've studied the Bible since I was a kid. It's the only time I see Jesus say, here's what I'm putting my hand to. Here's my strategy. Any strategic people out there? Here's how I'm doing it. I will build my church. And if you ever wonder, is it hopeless? I have. He says this, the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell will not overcome it. So what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying that we live our lives. He said, you're in the world, but not of the world. We're all gifted different. We're not all called to be clergy or called to be pastors, but we are the church and we are what he's building. And the church is the ecclesia as you filter it through the book of Acts and the birth of the church and the New Testament pattern. The church is not going to the golf course with a few friends. The church is not, well, I can worship God just fine without the church, which I hear from people all the time, but you can't be a part of what Jesus is building because Jesus is building the church, which became the ecclesia, the called out ones that denotes that there is some form of spiritual authority and gathering together. And the church comes together under the power of Jesus Christ as the ecclesia and goes forth into the earth. And so the, the, the concept here that Jesus gives is he says, look, this is how I'm going to build it. And we could, again, we go back to you know, all these questions, all these barriers, all these thoughts, all these circumstances and situations. Let, let, let me also say to everybody as well, 
I like to be transparent about my challenges so that you don't think you're crazy because you think I'm standing up here preaching some pie in the sky thing and that I don't understand where people live and that I haven't had pain. But let me also honor Jesus for a minute. The church has also been the place of my greatest joy. I loved going to church as a kid. I love listening to the word. The church is where I heard the message of Jesus and I gave my heart and life to Jesus and I'm the one preaching this weekend and I'm on the front row singing with you with the same amount of passion. I'd be lost without you, Jesus. I know my personality. Without Jesus, I'd be leading as many people to hell as I do to Christ. Y'all know what I'm saying? So I'd be lost without Jesus, but I met him in church. I met him from the platform of a church where someone shared the message of Jesus with me. I learned to love Jesus. I learned to read my Bible. I was called to ministry in church. I met my wife outside in a line at church. I recommend that's a good place to meet a fine woman of God that'll walk with you through ministry for many years. I met her at church. I dedicated my babies in church. I baptized my own kids in church and cried like a baby last night when my friend Steve Chestnut baptized his daughter. I sat there just weeping, thinking, man, we were in that old cafeteria with people getting Cokes, but more baptizing our kids today because the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. So let me just be honest and honor Jesus. I've had a lot of pain, but I'll tell you what, I've had so much joy, so much joy when Jesus is in the midst of his church. You're like, well, Jeff, I appreciate those stories, and man, that, that verse is powerful, but every week we wanted to say, let's take, a, let's take a deeper look. Let's understand it. Let's make it part of our lives. And so if we take a little deeper look, number one, we have to understand the distinctive. It's easy to overlook it if you're not careful. Let's move on into the New Testament, and I love the Apostle Paul here speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to us. It says, his intent, that's Jesus. I'm back to his intentional plan. His intent, Jesus, was that now, now this is what I'm doing, through the church. Why do we serve through the church? And again, no problem with the fact that we're not all called to work a full-time job in the church. We need people in politics. We need people in business. We need people in all different atmospheres. But just be careful that whatever you're pouring yourself into, you don't forget that his intent is still that you're connected to the local church because he's building his church. Why do I give resources to the local church? Because it's his plan. It's his intentional plan. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. I love that phrase. What does it mean? I looked it up in multiple versions this week. It means rich variety, multifaceted, many different kinds of wisdom. It's like a rainbow. The multifaceted beauty of God, look at this, should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Through an imperfect group of people that come together called the local church, it displays the multifaceted, beautiful picture of our God when they come together and love one another and love Jesus. I recently, just like you, I don't, I don't get heavily involved in the political banter of our culture today. You say, Pastor, why don't you? Because I'm busy building the church. And so I don't believe I'm called to be a political spokesman. I believe I'm called to be a local shepherd. So I spend most of my time 
trying to fix the problems that everybody else is talking about. And so I spend my time with my hand to the plow taking care of his sheep. But don't think I live under a rock. I mean, I understand when things in our culture and things happen and, you know, when these racial tensions come up, when you see these things, the pain in our culture and in our society and there's so many facets to it and so many things and, and we, we recognize everyone's coming from their different place of experience and pain and improper things and all of that and so I don't dismiss that and I understand educated wise of how things happen but I do say this as well. With all of our desire to see our culture become more healthy, let me say, it's in the church where we model it. It's in the church where you model people from different ethnic backgrounds. It's where you model people from different socioeconomic backgrounds. It's where you model even the people who may have treated you improperly. It's in the church when we come together that we display this picture of God to a broken world that has pain about it but has no solutions. They have no solutions. The church is the solution where the multifaceted, beautiful, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every person from every background comes together and loves people with the love of Jesus. That's where it happens and that's a good place to clap. That's where it happens. I'm going to tell you, I always ask myself this question regarding our church. Not would we just have a gathering, not would we just have a place in our community, but would we make a mark? It wasn't just about counting how many people could attend. It was all about could we make a difference? Would it matter if we existed? Because if it didn't matter if we exist, we probably should fold up shop and figure out something else to do. And one of the greatest compliments that we've received is not getting in the newspaper voted the best place to worship in our region, which just basically means we just have some fired up people go to our church and voted us in. We voted ourselves in. I don't know if that's arrogant, but anyway. <laughs> that's, that's nice. Let me tell you the things I live for is when our mayor stood behind this pulpit at our building dedication and said, our community would be different if it wasn't for you and people like James Hudson and his servant group that were trimming trees and loving single moms. And 1,500 people hit the streets to fix broken issues and code violations and love people. I'm talking about the distinctive. See, see, Jesus is really smart because his strategy works. It's a powerful force. The church is the most resource-rich environment on the planet. And when she comes together in love and unity and cooperates together, let me tell you something. You know why the enemy fights it so much today? Because she's unstoppable. She's unstoppable. Here's what we do, though. You say, Jeff, that's all good. Now, how do I make it real in my life? Well, I would, I would look at this Ephesians 4.16 verse because it has something to say to all of us. It says this, from him, that's back to Jesus, y'all. From him, not from the pastor, not from the milestone brand, from the Jesus plan. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and it builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It grows and it builds itself up in more love to distribute. Anything healthy, anything put together is probably going to grow if it's under the banner of Jesus. It's not that it grows, it's what does it grow into? It grows in more love. It builds itself up 
in love. So let's talk about what happens in our lives when we live this way. Two things I want to give you. Two things from that passage, and that passage is so rich. What happens when we really live this way? Well, well, number one, we increase our impact in helping others meet Jesus. Let me talk about increase your impact. We all have been given the responsibility, according to the Word of God, to be salt, to be light, to be influencers for Jesus. You may not know this, some of you that have just come here and become recently saved, you are an ambassador of Christ. You are in the ministry. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You've been given that. You're like, look, I don't know about all that. You have been given it. But you individually can share Christ with someone. They can be changed. And you know what? God does it that way all the time. He uses everyday, ordinary people. But here's one thought I had, and that is the increased impact of this strategy that Jesus has is that even I can share Christ with someone. Even I can make someone feel welcome and thank you as a church the way you make people feel welcome and you love them and they sincerely know that you care about them. You can make someone feel welcome but you by yourself cannot give them the experience of spiritual family and the church. You can't show them the full picture by yourself because Jesus is not walking the earth. We are the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ comes together, they see the dimension of Christ through our multiplied gifts together. It's an increase in the impact and ability for people to see Jesus. I love to tell you stories. I wanna, we had, again, two weekends of baptisms and I was watching one of the stories. I met this guy, Trevor. I thought, I want, to, I want us to hear a little more about his story because as you watch it, watch the thread of impact and how it wasn't one person, but it was all of us that changed a skeptical guy's view of Jesus through the local church. Watch this with me. I think for a long time, the way that I viewed church the way that I viewed God was, I'm not a bad person. I don't do bad things in my life. So you sit in the pew and guy's gonna get up there and he's gonna yell at you and tell you how bad you are. And if I just kind of stayed in line, checked the boxes that, you know, I'd be okay. I had a very hardened heart and God has been using my wife and working through my wife to get me in a church for a long time. She said, well, the only thing that I want for Mother's Day this year, I don't want any gifts, I don't want any presents, I don't want anything, I just want to go to service. I couldn't say no to that. So we went and picked out some seats in the back and just tried to lay low. After that first time that we went, kind of the enemy went back to work on me just trying to make excuses of why I didn't like it. And I listened, trying to make reasons not to go back or trying to portray those onto my wife of, no, that's not for me type deal. But the second time we went, you know, we started to scoot up a little bit and everything started to hit me a lot more. The people being so friendly and so welcoming, a better experience the more times that we kept going. Even though I was in church and we were starting to come more and more, God was still the last thing that I was thinking of. He was second, third, fourth, fifth to pretty much everything in my life. June 11th was the day that God revealed himself to me. It was actually a baptism weekend, and it was kind of like 
Somebody just put a blanket over my back. Everything that I was and everything that I had done in the past just kind of flashed before my eyes. He said, it's okay, you know, I forgive you. Kind of in that moment, I, f I felt like he was telling me, you know, it's time for me to be what he created me to be. I prayed that he would come into my life, he would become my Lord and my Savior, and I surrendered myself to Jesus. God used the most influential relationship that I had with my wife and got me to church and has just opened up this new entire life to me. There's so many more relationships that I can build and that everybody can build through the church to better themselves and better other people as well. I want everybody to experience how much God truly loves them. If they did, then it would just completely change everything. It's helped me be a better husband and a better father. Before I hated to read, and now really can't put my Bible down, just trying to pour into it every day and try to take something from it. Me and my wife joined a small group and you know, getting plugged in to serve. The church has made me realize that you're not alone. This is so much more than being religious. It's having your own personal relationship with Jesus. How many of you love that? Trevor. I love, for those of you who've been doing this a little while, I love his perspective. Did you notice his perspective was, I'm going to go there, there's going to be these people sitting in pews and someone yelling at us. Sorry for yelling today, but I'm passionate. But he, he found something totally different. And by the way, that's one of our intentional strategies here is to partner with wives who are praying. I don't know if you recognize seeing as many men get baptized in these tanks is a miracle. Um, and what happens is a wife has a prayer for her husband. And my, my desire has always been she brings him to a small group or church or something like that. And then he leaves and goes, unfortunately, I liked that. And God is up to something. And then what happens is, as you saw in his story, is all of us together making him feel accepted and warm and loved. And so he starts being drawn by Jesus. And then Jesus flashes his life in front of his eyes. And he fully commits himself to Christ. And then he takes next steps. Let me give you the second thing, though, that comes from what we read there in that Ephesians passage. And that is, not only can we increase our impact, but we connect to God's supply. And I understand there are people who say, look, I don't need that. I have, you know, me and Christ, or I, I, maybe just I'm over here. I don't know about that. Let me say something as a pastor for over 20 plus years. When you face your crisis, not, not if you face it, when you face your crisis, watching people and even helping people outside of the supply for years, you, you walk through it different when you're not just kind of hanging out, but when you're connected and you're joined, there's a flow beyond when you face your crisis, what you need to grow, how God develops you, what he resources you with. It's a flow that happens from connection. Why do we talk about the things we do here so much about get connected, get off the back row, step into relationship, get connected. I, I saw in 2020 this groundbreaking medical procedure where a guy had a hand transplant. Did anybody see this? A hand transplant. They, they, they take a, a, a donor, a guy who lost his life, and they, 
And, he, and right, his wife walks in the room after it happens and he thinks about it and he can move a finger. And, and the doctor talks about when it was connected and when they hooked everything and there's blood begins to flow. What am, what am I saying? The disconnected, there's no flow. And, and never underestimate the flow that comes to your children and your children's children into so many areas of your life that God says, look, here's how I've intentionally decided to get you in some of my flow. There's a supply, okay? And then we talk about how do we live it together. Well, we, we have to be convinced that what we're giving our lives to and what we pour ourselves into when we love, when we serve, when we grow, when we get connected, we're investing in something that, that lasts until Jesus returns. I want to tell you, there's a lot of things that looked really powerful at one point. And again, we're not talking about an individual church. We're talking about his plan, the church. A lot of things that look powerful. There's companies that everyone thought would be unstoppable. Fortune 500 companies, Standard Oil and Nabisco and all these different Lehman Brothers and all of them. Blockbuster. Come on, people. How many of y'all remember when you got your first VCR? I'm telling you, it's like blockbuster. It's like blockbuster doesn't exist. There's a lot of other things may not exist, as my kids tell me. There's Netflix. I'm thinking about trying Netflix. I really am. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, something wrong. No, I really am trying. I'm thinking about trying it, Netflix. I've never tried it. I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm technologically challenged, okay? I kind of want blockbuster to come back, but anyway. But, but, but the truth is, culture changes. Life changes. The way you do things change. Ottoman Empire, Roman Empire, Fortune 500 companies, things that were strong and powerful don't exist. But I'm going to tell you what has existed since a group of 120 people gathered in an upper room and then Peter preached a message. It has existed since Jesus left this earth and it will exist until he returns is his church. And we don't have confidence in it because even ourselves. We don't give our life to it because it's perfect. We don't pour into it because it's culturally in vogue. We don't even do it because we always believe it is the best strategy. We have confidence in it because we have confidence in the one who is building it. And his name is Jesus. That's who we have confidence in. So we pour ourselves into it. I got a picture from someone this summer who gave this to me, a phrase I've been using a lot here. This is an everyone church. This is an Amish community having a barn raising. Now I'm not speaking to the Amish theology. I'm not, so don't email me. I'm not speaking to the Amish way of life. They don't have Netflix, okay? So maybe I'll join them. But anyway, I, it's like, I'm not speaking to any of that. I'm just speaking to a cultural principle that can be held on to if we live biblical lives. If you get ready to build a barn, then you got to find somebody who knows how to build a barn. Or if you know how to build it, then you've got to hire some people or beg some people to help you build it. If you don't know how to build a barn, then you've got to get a YouTube video on how to build barns. Then you got to figure out how to get enough people to watch the YouTube video with you so that they know what they're doing so you can build a barn. When the Amish get ready to build a barn, they have one Saturday, they gather everybody together and they erect a barn because of the powerful principle that you see here. And this is a picture of the church when everyone gets a hammer and everyone takes a nail and everyone works together, then great things can be changed 
can be moved forward, can be radically different in the lives of everyday people when everyone takes their position to say, hey, I'm a part of what Jesus is building. Because that's what he's building. He's building not barns, not Netflix. He's building his church. And he wants his church to influence those other areas of society that are being built. That's what Jesus is doing. You say, okay, how do I do this, pastor? Well, we just have so many you know, flashy steps for you all the time here. Actually, we're committed to that simple strategy. The first thing I would say to you is if you say, Pastor, I think you've made a convincing case that Jesus is building this church and I need to be a part of it and I need to figure out how I can get connected. Well, if you've never, ever taken a step, the step first is to get in the growth track. <clears throat> so many of you have. We have 360-something people go through Discovery 101 and they're taking steps and they're starting to get connected and they're starting to grow in their relationship with Christ. If you're here and it's small group weekend and you're like, Pastor, I want to be connected, do I just go find a group? No, your first step is to get involved in our grow track and you're welcome to come to 301. We've actually moved it in here in the auditorium to help people come and experience our 301 step. And yes, you can do it out of order if you want to. Okay, you come to 301, you get a small group, you hear about the values and the vision of Milestone Church and you start having an opportunity to experience this thing we call the local church. And so that happens tomorrow night right here in this auditorium and uh, we want to help you take that step. If you've been through the growth track and you're like, Pastor, that's great, then what you need to do is help point people to the growth track. But second of all, you need to be connected to a small group. You need to be connected with people and living that out. So that's your next step and that's why this weekend is small group connection weekend and for us it's a, it's a big deal. We've had more and more people coming and that's exciting and we're glad you're here and we love weekend services but we believe the way you make a big church small is you have these relationships called your small group. And so we have people here ready to help you. In fact, I think we have a little picture of those people out there in the foyer right now. Do we? There, there's a whole team of people right there ready to serve you, ready to help you. All right? They, they, these people are excited. No, don't be too excited out there, y'all. I work alone, okay? All right. But anyway, they're there to help you, to serve you. We have that card. We'd love to receive that from you. Our team would love the opportunity to serve you. And so uh, it's an important thing. It's a big deal. People say, I'm busy. Are we too busy to live the Bible? Are we too busy for the supply? Are we too busy for the impact? Just make sure in your life you're prioritizing the things that Jesus is prioritizing. Because I found in my experience, when I seek first his kingdom, he has a way of taking care of some of the things in my life that concern me. All right? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. Father, I'm asking you right now, if there's one person who doesn't know you, Jesus, that today would be the day they make a decision to follow you. If you're, you're seeing these people baptized, or you see Trevor's story, you can receive Christ. Maybe you're right there online. You can pray and say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. I want you, I, want, I don't want religion. I want a real relationship with you. And if you pray that, he'll come in to live with you and you need to let us know or take a step in the grow track so that you can get on, as Trevor said, who he's created you to be. Because when he comes in, he starts defining who he's created you to be. Lord, I pray right now a second step for people with busy lives, with a culture that is counterculture to the things you say are your intentional strategy. 
Lord, I ask you to help us prioritize you. Help us do what's contradictory in our natural thought process to do what you say in your word. Lord, help us walk together, to love together, to serve together. Let us be a picture today in a pained world today of you, Jesus. Let people see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 